Welcome to Mystics and Broomsticks Podcast with Melanie Dawn and Tanya Ryan. All right, welcome to this episode of Mystics and Broomsticks. I'm so excited because I'm here with my lovely friend, Shelly. So I'm going to introduce you the way that I introduce you, and then you can just fill in all the gaps. Does okay, that sounds good. Does that sound like it works? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, when I think of Shelly, I go like, you just have, you have so many skill sets, but um, <laughs> I think, okay, I think of a Reiki practitioner. I also think of you as a gut squisher, which I actually can't think of the formal name, but like Diane, I call her my gut squisher. So I think of you as a gut squisher. I think of you, oh yeah, and sorry for the global people that don't know what a gut squisher is. Um, these are people that, and if you have never had this done, you really, really need to because it's amazing. But we go and we get massages like on our backs, on our legs, on our bums, on our shoulders, on our necks, but nobody massages our guts, like the front part of the body. And so gut squishers do that and it's wonderful. Um, and then of course you read tarot and then this grief. I need to know more about the grief because I don't know what I'm supposed to call you. Am I calling you a grief counselor? Am I calling you a grief doula? Am I calling you, and then what is a grief doula? So, but those are, those are all the titles that I know Shelly Durrett to have. And so you have to fill me in on where I've missed. Yeah. So, um, I do do all those things and as well, um, like a lot of other things. Uh, when I oh, first started this, I forgot yoga. Yeah, when I first started this business, um, I went in with all these really wonderful ideas. I don't know how many times I got told you have to niche it down, like you're doing too many things, and I just couldn't do that. And so, really and truly, it does get tricky to remember all the things I do because. I, I'm that eclectic nature. I like to do all the things. So I also, yeah, teach yoga and I um, am a sound frequency practitioner. So I do sound baths and right. using um, sound vibration to help balance the energy in the bodies as well. Um, and I'm a death doula. So I work with people who are ready to transition from this earthly realm and move to the next realm. And as well through that support their families. And so I work in the world of grief as well. And so a grief doula or um, a grief companion is actually kind of what we refer to it in the industry. And that's just helping people navigate the grief journey that they're on um, from a little bit more of a holistic kind of way and allowing people to really show up in their grief and be seen and witnessed. Our society is really good about like tucking it away <laughs> and yeah. um, you, get a, you get a few solid days to grieve and then you're supposed to go back to being who you were and living the life you were living and that's that's not feasible that's not reality yeah yeah oh that's like that feels like such an important an underrated goal or um not goal uh job I guess I don't know what to call it role I think that's what I was trying to say um because okay so everybody has goes through grief we all have grief processes and whether that's like someone passing away or whether that's just a a period of life where we are grieving the loss of a job the loss of a phase of life the loss of you know you maybe you're done having kids and you and I are like grieving that you're not gonna you know carry life or give birth or do those things or if it's the loss of a person I I feel like grief is just like such an under misunderstood phenomenon yeah absolutely it's actually we live in a really grief phobic society. Mm-hmm. And so there um, has been all of these societal inputs put on us where um, 
we can't be witnessed in that. We can't see grief. Uh, a lot of it comes from a fear-based place. A lot of it comes from, uh, honestly, the society pressures of we don't have time um, to grieve. And a lot of it comes from this notion of being really afraid that if we witness grief, we're going to keep experiencing grief. Um, this whole notion of like, if I talk about dying, I'm going to die. That kind of superstitious mm. embodiment um, applies to grief as well. And so um, slowly, uh, there's a lot of people that are starting to have this mindset shift and to look at how other cultures grieve and and starting to kind of bring that into our Western um, mindset um, and, and the way that we kind of navigate that experience. There's actually, um, I think they have actually charted 42 different experiences that um, can drop a person into the experience of grief. And the death of a person is only one of those 42. So would if, okay, I feel like this then, this this like grief companion thing that you're you're doing could be such a versatile role then if there's 42 various like because of course when we hear or when i i shouldn't speak for everyone i guess but when i hear grief i think someone passing away yeah or, or like a big a significant life event i guess yeah um whereas personally i haven't actually lost a lot of people close to me so i haven't actually experienced that kind of grief but probably i have experienced grief but then I've probably also low-key gaslit myself being like, this isn't a big deal. What's what's your problem? Yeah. You should get on with your life. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's exactly um, kind of the realm that I really try and educate from is moving. We grieve when we move, mm -hmm. even if we're making the choice to move, even if we are in a shitty basement suite. I mean, there's lots of great basement suites out there, <laughs> but like we're in this like shitty house that we don't like. We don't like our neighbors. We don't like the layout of the house. Like even if the move is so for our highest good and something we're so looking forward to, mm -hmm. we're still going to grieve the leaving of the house we were in. It's still this process of letting go. There is still a piece of our identity and a normalcy of our life that's based in that environment. Mm -hmm. And so that's the other thing with grief is it's there's such a duality to so many of the things that we grieve that we do kind of shut them down. We do kind of say, why am I feeling this? Um, like marriage can be a, a point of grief for people and they get blindsided by it obviously we've uh in canada especially uh usually there's two consenting parties that are getting married and it's this happy joyful time but you are still individuals going into that day and there's a piece of you that grieves that side of you mm -hmm. as well um when you come out the next day and you've got this new title and there's this new relationship and there's this new status that you're basically standing on we grieve where we were the day before that doesn't mean it's not something we wanted or mm -hmm. it isn't something that's good or joyful but we still have to honor it's it's a different trajectory than it was the day before mm-hmm and that's what we honor and we look at and we give space for. And the more we can do that with these less 
um, or more common experiences, the more we can give space to witness and to see where it's sitting in our body, what we're feeling, and give permission for all of the emotions of the experience to come through, Mm -hmm. the more we can sit with the bigger experiences of loss that we experience. When the storm on that ocean is way bigger, we're more equipped with the tools to navigate that storm, to hold on and to know what connections we have to resources, what's worked, what hasn't worked. And so we can keep our feet under us a little bit easier. Or if our feet come out from under us, we can find within us the strength to stand back up. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like these like more common. So if we validated these more common experiences of grieving. So and if you have any more examples of the 42, I'd be so interested to know. But I also don't want to like put you on the spot. Um, Maybe something to post on socials is all these like 42 different ways you can grieve. Um, But uh, if we okay, so if we use these more common experiences and we lean into the validation of grief and the actual like process of grief and feeling the feelings and doing the things. It's, it's almost like this practice space so that when we have more intense expressions of grief, we have more tools to resource. Yeah, exactly. So uh, just to touch on that, some of the 42, um, like retirement, moving, mm. loss of a pet, um, an estrangement in a relationship where somebody hasn't, hasn't died, but there's still an end to that relationship. Um, loss of unborn children, um, moving. I'm trying to think now I'm going to be like, which ones did I say? Which ones haven't I said? The one that I was so interested by you saying is marriage because you're, you know, you're pointing out like this kind of what we do see is like a globally happy thing happening. Um, and, but there is like, like you saying that, cause I think both my husband and I went through uh, like a little grief process and luckily we were both in a really, uh, calibrated space to hold space for one another. Cause he and I each came to each other like at some point. And, and essentially I think this is actually probably globally known as cold feet, but I kind of went to him and I was like, I don't know. I was like, I don't, should we be doing this? Like, I'm not really sure. And thankfully he did not panic or freak out. He was just like, do you want to wait? Like, do you want to not like, we can move the wedding. It's not a big deal. Like, we'll just, you know, like we just wait a year or whatever. And honestly, I feel like that was all I needed to hear was just knowing that my par- partner was secure enough to say like, I'm okay to wait for you or with you if you're not ready yet. And I was like, Oh, you're a really great person. No, I'm good. Like, let's get married. And then he kind of had a moment too. I don't think I was as gracious in receiving him, but, um, you know, he had a moment and I'm like, oh, probably both of us were just in this, like, oh, am I losing myself? Am I losing a part of me? Um, so uh, yeah, there's so many like sneaky ways that grief kind of comes in. It's true. Even, um, you can experience it, um, postpartum aside, mm-hmm. um, you can experience grief after the birth of a child, mm-hmm. right? Um, grief really and truly the way that I like to look at it and the way it kind of gets defined by some of the larger organizations, it is the change. It's an event that causes a change in, in the normal experience of your life. 
And so if something happens, you're going about, you're on your little uh, moving sidewalk of life and you're going along your experience and something causes there to be a bump in the road or a blip or a change, that's where we experience grief. And so we think about any of those times where there's this little blip, good, bad, indifferent, our body psychologically catches up by experiencing grief. Mm. That's how we embody it. Yeah. And so if we can start to look at grief as that and really give ourselves permission to let come through anything that's coming through and not label it as good, bad, or indifferent, just honor that we're just experiencing it, we're witnessing it, then we can allow the body to get back on track with recalibrating to the new system. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. So it's not that we're expected to get back on the moving sidewalk that was. Mm-hmm. It's that we we let completely recalibrate all that needs to. Mm-hmm. And then we allow ourselves to step forward with this new calibration within us. Whether outwardly it looks like we're a different person or there's no outward change to maybe the people around us that may experience us on the regular. Okay. So, so I'm listening to this podcast and I'm going, Oh yes, I recognize all of these like grief processes that have been invalidated or whatever. And so I'm like, I'm seeking out a grief companion. So what, if I came to see you, I was like, okay, Shelly, like I'm ready and I want to chat grief or, or, you know, maybe you're helping me identify these feelings or sensations or whatever that I've gone through what does that look like when I call you up for grief companionship? What am I, what? Cause I don't know what that looks like. I've never, <laughs> I've never had that. What is it? Well, and this is where it gets a little bit tricky is because it really does become, um, this individualized journey. And so my program that I offer is called your grief journey. And it's just that. It's honoring that we all have these different experiences with grief. And it's this opportunity to meet with somebody who's going to let us be exactly as we are. And so the sessions will always look different. Um, There is not a whole lot of formula that goes into it. Mm -hmm. But basically... Um, This was an opportunity for me to look at all of those tools that I had, all of this eclecticness that is me, and say, all of these tools in some way can support people who are grieving. Mm -hmm. And from that, that's what dropped me into the role of this work. When I first went into the role of being a death doula, I had no, no interest in working with people who are grieving and the family. My whole narrow-minded focus was I just want to support people who are dying, right? who are transitioning. That's where the name from my business came from, from this realm to the next. Yeah. Um, and it was from that that I started to see the need to support the people who are left behind mm-hmm. and delved into the grief world. But basically, sessions look like um, 
a combination of all the tools that I have. Mm-hmm. And so some sessions, there may be Reiki involved. Some sessions, we may be pulling tarot cards. Some sessions, um, we have movement, actual like somatic movement through the body. Um, it becomes this opportunity to kind of have this um, heart, led heart safe space for conversation yeah um different from a talk therapist there's some amazing counselors and therapy out there um but this doesn't have the intent that um that we have to fix anything Mm -hmm. this is just this safe place for you to let out of your body all of the words that you're afraid to speak out loud or that you don't you don't feel that you have anyone to listen to yeah um yeah, and from that, each of the sessions just kind of organically evolve. Um, usually my sessions start with Reiki, and then at the end of our program, whether that's one session, three, six sessions together, mm-hmm. um, we usually end with a Reiki as well, um, just to kind of hold that container for the energetic body yeah. um, as we're navigating it, but not always, Um But yeah, it just becomes this opportunity to let's get really curious with what you're experiencing in your body. How can we witness it? How can we let it out? How can we allow it to move through us Um, and really give the space for it to be seen, whether that's being seen by yourself or you just need somebody else to see it without judgment and without attachment. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you ever see yourself moving in, like, so when I, like, transitions, and you're talking about, like, people leaving the world, would you ever do any sort of, I don't know, I mean, you already have an eclectic resume, I'm just adding to it now, but I'm like, would you ever see yourself doing, like, doula of the people entering the world? So, like, I don't know, a birth doula, or what do we call that? Yeah, uh, lots of people who... Um, become death doulas have that attachment as well to to mm. birth doulas. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys in, are just the people that see the people in and out. Yeah, <laughs> you're right? like the Walmart reader of life. We, yeah, we kind of <laughs> do become like this gatekeeper almost. Um, personally, for me, it's not that I wouldn't do that, or I don't have any draw to that, or um, attraction to that. I have. I would love to. I would love to be a part of that process. Um, But especially in our, like, death grief phobic society, there is some wonderful human beings who can help bring life into this world. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a really, really big gap in the helping people leave this world. I I get told a lot, like, wow, like, I don't know how you do that. Mm -hmm. And um, I I don't either. I've just, like, since I was little, 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 have always just had, I don't want to sound super morbid, I've had a fascination (laughs) with death. (laughs) I've been wildly intrigued by death, but I have, right? Like, it just, I I saw it in myself even from a young age. Um, I was a very weird child. (laughs) Um, And the veil was always really thin for me. And I was able to kind of see the other side really easily. And it didn't scare me. And this makes me want to, like, look at your chart and be like, what's in your eighth house? Where are your Scorpio placements? (laughs) Like, Uh, I know you have lots of water in your chart. So I'm like, oh, there's got to be some Scorpio in there. But that's just, I'm just being a nerd. Scorpio's my ninth house. (laughs) Is, Is it? Yeah. No way. Yeah. No. Tenth house. That I was going to say, Tenth I'm like, house. I was yeah. like, Wait no, your Pisces no. rising, yeah. though. Tenth Aries house. rising would make you the eighth house. Yeah. 
Um, Sorry, Scorpio's at home in the eighth house. But, but Scorpio's at as 10, did you say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, then that also really makes sense as far as work goes. Bridges the world to the dead. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so I, I so I relate, I guess, with the morbid kid death thing as a Scorpio with a stellium. <laughs> um, and so uh, like I would anyways, I just get it. My my thing with death is less of like, I guess, um like an interest or a, like, I don't see myself as, as working in death, but I find I don't have at this point, I have not had the same response to death that I have seen people have. Like to me, it's very, of course that happens. Like, of course people pass away. And I think I, I think I can appear insensitive when people pass away because I, it's so matter of fact to me. Um, and it's not, I, I, like I grieve and I, I, am sad that people like, I, I, I see it, but I also see it as very factual or very neutral, like as an event. I don't know how to explain that exactly. Um, do you, do you think that a piece of that, um, has to do with the fact I know, um, there's been times where like mediumships kind of come into your world and like mm. being able as well to like communicate with that other side. Yeah, do you think that has something to do with it? Because it's there's not an this, ending, right? Exactly? There, like there's still this connection. And so, Oh, that could be, I don't know. I just wonder because I'm the same way. And yes, I grieve. I mean, obviously when my father passed away, that was heart wrenching and yeah. so sorrow filled. I mean, him and I were so close, but I still like, there was still always this piece that just knew it wasn't done. Yeah. Um, and then it's not as final as some people perceive. Yeah. Death, I guess. Right. And so I was able to grieve the loss of him in this physical. Yeah. Um, but I still had this trust and knowing that he was there and yeah. well, you know, the story, like yeah. he's been with me since hours after he died and continues to be. So, yeah. So for me, in that sense, it's it's not as final. It's not as... I just had to no, relearn the new relationship. Right? There, There is something to that. And it's definitely not to invalidate the loss, like, at, at all. Mm-mm. But I do wonder if there's something like that. The other thing is, is I have not yet lost someone that is, like, very close to me. And I... But... Um, explain that either so I I obviously I do uh sometimes I worry about losing my husband but that's just because I don't have a friend like him <laughs> like you're my best friend so you can't die because you're the only person I really like <laughs> yeah um but uh but uh other than that I like I guess I just yeah I don't know maybe it is that not I don't know the finality thing that's so interesting I'm gonna have to like sit with that for a little bit that's such a thought. Um, but would you would you be willing to share some stuff that happened after your dad passed away that like helped kind of merge? Uh, I guess like, maybe just seeing it as like change in relationship and the non physical relationship with him. Yeah. Oh, I I love telling. I could. T- that's the thing is I love sharing about my dad and I love this story and so I have no problem sharing about it. Um, so uh, my father was really terminally ill and. Um, and we were so close. And so he was very worried about dying. And he verbalized this um, because as somebody who so compassionately looked after me, he was really worried about my well-being. And so I had to like really chat with him about 
how it's going to be hard and it's going to be like really challenging, but like I promise you after a few days, I will find my feet. Like I'll stand up. I'm going to be okay. Um, and so then when he went into hot, we made the family choice for him to go into hospice and he would not let go. He, the man was a fighter. He's fought on and off with cancer for 20 something odd years. Like, he would not let go. And so I sat in meditation one night and I was like, what has to happen here? And, and they said, I'm like, my guides were said, he's so worried um, because you promised him that it's okay, dad. I know you'll be okay. And I know our relationship will continue. And now he's too afraid to die because he's worried that he's not going to be able to fulfill that. He's going to let you down from the, his deathbed. And I was like, oh, that's awful. Yeah. Um, and so I went to him. I said, Dad, you're going to come back to me as a Blue Jay. I don't know how this is going to happen. My spirit guides told me you're coming back as a Blue Jay. And I trust that with everything I have. And I need you to trust that with everything you have. And so you have to die. You have to go. Everybody's waiting for you. At that point, we'd already had the moment where we were in his room. And he's like who are all these people? Who's that over there? And I was like, dad, I don't know. Like, he's like, why is my grandma here? And so like, I knew he had his entourage of people coming to take him. And so he said, um, and so, um, I said, you have to come, you're going to come back as a blue jay and you just have to trust that. Um, and, and there was this piece of me that too was like, fuck, can I trust that? I don't know if I can trust that. Like, um, and then he he died uh, in the early morning, and I was with my stepmom, and it was this beautiful experience. And he let go, and we were both by his side. And um, she said, "I have to go, Shelley. Like, I, I have to leave." And I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna stay. I'm not ready to leave." So I stayed for a good period of time after. And as soon as I left the building and said goodbye to him and left, I walked into the parking lot of the hospice and my stepmom sent me a picture of a blue jay on her fence. No way. (laughs) Yeah, in the middle of March. And so we just knew. We just just knew that he'd come back. He came back to say, it's okay. It's it's okay. I'm okay. Um, And then since then, there's just... Blue Jays everywhere, just yes. like like all over the place. Blue Jays just everywhere. So, so that's how he comes, and he and he talks to me and to my kids, and yeah. And there was a it was uh, ironic too. Um, a month ago, our dog died, and we knew she was getting old, but we weren't expecting her to die. Like it, we were expecting her to die, but uh, the transition happened so fast. It was mm-hmm. like one day she was fine, and the next day we knew we had to euthanize her and um we went to the appointment and we let her go um and um drove home and we took her other dog for a walk to kind of help her um move her grief and mm-hmm. um move through that and so my daughter and my son and I went for a walk with Sally the other dog and as we walked back into our cul-de-sac uh, adult blue jay flew in front of us and then a baby blue jay flew no across us and like it's these experiences yeah. where it's like you can't freaking tell me that's not something like you yeah. like you can't tell me that's not something and if it isn't something for anyone else it gives me the peace and yeah. 
the assurance and 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 the comfort and the love that even if it was just for me and the kids and it almost was this way of like my dad saying like okay I've got Dixie it's okay like we're okay yeah <laughs> so oh, that's so, so cool. yeah yeah I had a and you know about this but I'll just share for the for the people's um an interesting experience with your dad post death um I went out for lunch with our mutual friend and she was talking so I guess and she has these like fleeting or you know flits of like mediumship kind of like pop in and so she's talking to me I guess she like will have occasionally have these naps during the afternoon and that's when things will drop in the loudest I guess so that's when they come in the most and so she's like yeah I saw this guy and I don't remember she saw him multiple times or just this one but it was very vivid and she's describing him and I'm like that's Shelly's dad. <laughs> and, and I'm like, and so I said that to her. I'm like, well, have you seen Shelly's dad? And she's like, no. And I was like, hang on. So I pull up your Facebook and I'm scrolling. And this is like, cause this was a little while after he passed. Yeah. Considerable so amount. I have to like scroll through your Facebook a bit to find, cause I knew you posted a bunch of pictures of him right, mm-hmm. at, right after he passed. Um, and so I'm like trying to find one of just his face. Cause she's describing his face. And I was like, that sounds like yeah so anyways I find this picture and I show this picture to her and she's like oh my god that's him <laughs> and I was like oh you're gonna have to tell Shelly this because because I asked if she, that was the other question I asked her I was like well have you told Shelly because you're in like the network of people she knows that's yeah. like medium open and that, that kind of thing you know some people don't have as many friends that are as like you know, and so I'm thinking like, oh, did you already talk to Shelly about this? And she's like, no. And I was like, oh, you're going to have to tell Shelly because this is so cool that you saw her dad. Yeah. So I thought that was just so wild. That one, that one was super, super powerful. I remember you guys phoned me from the restaurant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's you guys right. called me from the restaurant to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that, w- that was so cool, especially because like she had been telling me about various things that she had seen or experiences that she'd have. And I was able like I'd sit there and be like oh that's cool or oh that's interesting that was the first time I could validate it for her yeah though. like so even that was just a cool moment well and you know because you do like mediumship and tarot and any anytime I feel like we can get this energetic work like validated yeah. is is such a fun powerful magical type of moment so that was that was so cool to have her see someone that I, I guess I didn't know him personally of course but like I was like oh I can identify this person. <laughs> yeah. Like, so that's, so yeah. Anyways, that's just, that's so cool. Um, I was going to ask you something else. And I, 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 do you feel like, okay, so you have all this like knowledge about, you know, the grief process and naturally like going through your own grief process, people would be like, well, you're an expert. <laughs> so you must be able to just fly through your grief. Do you find that, um, it's given you tools to have more grace in your grief, or do you find that your grief is just as messy as everybody else's? Um, definitely, uh, grief is messy. Mm-hmm. Grief is messy, blah, 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 messy for all of us. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I let that be messy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I think that's where my tools come in is, I really, really, really give space for the messy and let myself experience the messy and experience what's coming up and, and then be okay with that. Um, 
And then also from that, it's given me the backbone to experience my grief. So after my dad died, for example, um, there was some people um, in um, my world that uh, they almost put outrageous demands on me to kind of get back to work and to, um, well, yeah, to get back to work. Uh, and it gave me the backbones to say, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. You know, like it's been three days in the corporate world. You get, th- you get three days of bereavement. Mm-hmm. And I think if I wasn't in the realm of grief, I would have felt guilty. Right. And like, there's something wrong with me. And why don't I feel, um, at the time I was running day home full time, like, why don't I feel like I would be a safe caretaker for all of these other children that don't belong to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it would have put shame on me and it would have perhaps forced me, um, to make choices that I wasn't comfortable with, um, just to appease other people. But from this realm and this, um, understanding and education around grief, I was able to say, absolutely not. Um, this is where I'm at and this is the space I need. This is the time I need. And if that doesn't work for you, then that's a choice you'll have to make. Um, it's also given me permission to honor some of the littler griefs that come up and to say, no, I need to take some time or I don't know why I'm feeling this way. Can I sit and examine it um, and, and give it permission Right, instead of stuffing it down and stuffing it down. And so I think from that sense, my grief is still messy and I still grieve and it still hurts so fucking much. And it's still like I am lost in an ocean, Mm -hmm. but I have these tangible tools. And because, um, I mean, what's the the easiest way for people, some people to learn things is to teach it. Um, I'm one of those people. And so I think because of the journey that I've been on, it's easier for me to grab those tools when I'm drowning. Yeah. Because I share them with other people. And so it's like, okay, this isn't, this isn't working. Let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this. Or maybe we just need to sit with it and let ourselves be. And, and so from that sense, I think it really helps me. Um, and it's really helped me get a grip on what I'm feeling and the overwhelm and, and to be really compassionate with myself. What do you think is something like if you if you had like a magic wand and you could wave it over like society or, you know, maybe your collective community around you. But basically, like, how could we support as a community? How could we be more supportive of the grieving process or more open to the like grieving process? If you were going to kind of change or if I'm listening to this podcast and I'm like, I want to be. I want to be a part of the change that makes grieving more normal or mm-hmm. more okay mm-hmm. or more allowed. I want my mm-hmm. friends to feel like they can grieve and I'm a safe place for them to be. Like what would be something you would say would be helpful? Um, because of the discomfort um, that people have around um, the big emotions of grief, uh, it can be really, really easy for us to fall into the cliche um, phrases you know uh they're in a better place uh everything happens for a reason um so uh really check yourself on Mm -hmm. those um and instead um go from a go from a permission-based place and so when your loved ones and friends are experiencing grief 
Um, if you're going to give them a phrase of reference, give them the permission um, to know that exactly what they're feeling is valid. Mm-hmm. Um, give them the permission that it's okay to have moments where they feel happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know with a lot of the people I've worked with, all of a sudden they'll have this moment where they're laughing and then it slams them like a ton of bricks because it's like, I forgot or I shouldn't be feeling that, right? So really just giving the validation that they can experience um, whatever they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also this whole like, if you need anything, let me know. Uh, when you're drowning in the ocean, you don't know what you need. What you need is for somebody on a ship to throw a life raft <laughs> right? Uh, and for you to grab onto it. Um, you know, like you're not like screaming down to the person drowning in the water. What would be best for you right now? <laughs> like, I don't know. Get me out of the goddamn water. Like, yeah. like, I don't know. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I don't know what's happening. I'm drowning. Yeah. I actually can't tell you what I need. Um, and so that's where sometimes knowing your audience for sure, but just offering tangible, um, supports. I know, for example, um, you had asked me, uh, knowing, um, in the week leading up to my dad dying, you said, what's something that's really going to be helpful? And I said, Tanya, I, I need you to text me every day at three Mm -hmm. and say, what did you take out? Like, what are you going to feed your family? Because I knew I had to stay afloat for my kids too. And so I had to grieve, but as the mom and the nurturer, I had to make sure my kids were fed and looked after too. Mm -hmm. Can you please just help me remember that I, I, I got to figure something out for supper. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and to, and to remember too, that, um, one week after someone dies, um, people actually need support more than, Right. Right. And so we feel so supported and we feel so held and so contained. Um, and all these people checking in with us, usually for a week to 10 days. Um, and then they and then they disappear. I feel like it's that time when, especially if there's like a celebration of life or a funeral, it's like everyone's good until up until the funeral. And then they're there for the funeral. And then it's like, well, that's over yeah, <laughs> and done. Let's all move on with our lives. Well, and from the logistical standpoint, that's actually not the period where people need support because A, your adrenaline kicks in and that's holding you. Mm. And B, you, um, especially if there is a really closeness in the relationship, your executor or anything like that, like you've got days of paperwork, of calling banks, of getting wills read, of navigating the actual logistics of the loss mm-hmm. um, that you actually haven't fully... Uh, on the grand scale uh, dropped into the reality of what's happening because you have all these things that are being thrown at you. You've got to plan the celebration of life. You've got to contact these people. You've got to call these people. You're busy, 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 busy doing, doing, doing. Um, And then it's actually after all of that subsides that it's like the the true depths of reality of what's happened um, hits. And that's where loneliness really comes in. And it's from that place that I actually um, started um, feeling called to offer in-person grief circles Mm -hmm. because it it truly is just this opportunity just to remember we're not alone. Absolutely. No, that's a really smart thing, a grief circle. I'd never heard of that. Yeah. And so we just meet and it's an opportunity to um, speak aloud the grief and be held in sacred container of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, some healing modalities that we can use to um, connect with our grief, to embody it, you know, a little bit of movement, 
um, some breath work, uh, some journaling, those kind of things, cacao ceremony. Um, so we can just drop into the body, but also know that there's people sitting all around us who have many different types of grief, um, who also just feel isolated and alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we light a candle and then we blow out the candle, um, and it just becomes a symbolic ritual of what we're embodying and experiencing. I love that. Um, if I was going to follow you and I want to get in touch with you via, you know, any realm of things that you do, <laughs> uh, what's your uh, web address? What's your, or sorry, not web address. Sorry, I'm talking like it's 1994. Okay, what's, what's your MSN? Um, <laughs> what's your website? Uh, www.transitionswithshelly.com And then you're at on Instagram. Transitions underscore with underscore Shelly. Oh, it's so nice when people are consistent with their branding. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're uh. welcome. It could, it, like, it could have probably, in hindsight, been a shorter name. Um, especially my email, Shelly at transitionswithshelly.com. Didn't think any of that through, but um, <laughs> it's a mouthful, but you remember it. Is there anything else that you want to leave us with on this? Is there any other information we should know about you, about your business? Anything else you want to drop? Any circles coming up or anything? Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess the biggest thing that I just want people to know is, um, like, you don't have to grieve alone. Mm-hmm. You really don't have to grieve alone. Um, we're the only society that really isolates people uh so reach out and if you're experiencing grief and it's like tricky in the waters reach out know that yeah if I'm not the right support for you there is lots of supports out there um I do have an in-person grief circle coming up on November 9th Thursday November 9th and again uh like I can well imagine um the thought of walking into a room full of strangers is flipping terrifying um but just know that really and truly it's, it's that, and it is that place of just not being alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you can drop into the notion that it's an hour and a half of your time and that likely there'll be a, a lightness or um, at least uh, this opportunity to feel of collective, um, then perhaps that might, that might be something that appeals to you. What else? I think that's it. Well, I mean, I got things going on all the time. So follow me and reach out, ask any questions. Love that. Yeah. Thanks for being here, Shelly. That was really wonderful. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with the Mystics and Broomsticks, tongue twister, I swear to God, I'm going to work on it. Uh, Mysticsandbroomsticks at gmail.com is our new email address. Or, of course, you can reach out to either Mel or I on Instagram. My at is at TanyaRyanXO. Peace in. Peace out.